This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. So 
Hello and welcome to this week's Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of Chelsea and myself, David Lewis. Our opening track this week was taken from an album that we debuted on the show last week, Signs of Life from Zoophyte, which uh, highlights the songwriting talents of Peter Jones and Trevor Lever. And we just listened to a track called Feels Like I'm Chained to a Rock. The album itself features some of the very finest musicians across the UK, such as Rob Luft on guitars, Ross Stanley you'll find on keys, Nick Milne's trombone, and Vasilis Sinopolis on tenor sax, including Sophie Alloway on the drums. And uh, more from that album over the next few weeks. Live streaming with us at the club this weekend is saxophonist Brandon Allen. And a few years ago, he recorded a track with trumpeter Quentin Collins called Beauty in Quiet Places. And that plays next on Straight Ahead this week.
I'll be giving you details of how you can watch the live stream from the club a little bit later on in the show. Our guest this week is another saxophonist, Trish Clues. And uh, we're going to be listening to music from Trish and, of course, a full interview with her in around about 20 minutes' time. And again, it's another fascinating insight into the making of these wonderful and talented musicians. Sarah Mool is about to release her fifth album on the 19th of March. It's going to be called Stormy Emotions, and uh, it very much explores the themes of time and love. And a track I've got looked out to play for you on the show this week is this, Fool's Gold. It's easy to mistake it for the real thing A light can shine so bright and make your heart sing And then be seen no more Like fool's gold Tonight the stars are shining on his boat But at times like this I've learned to keep my mouth shut Cause I've been fooled before Been so long in the wilderness I argue with my mule Cause he's another fool with big dreams We started out so often that we feel old We've crossed that burning desert for some real gold And now it shines so bright Have we really found a treasure? Are we rich beyond all measure? Does it mean We're finally doing something right Don't let it be fools go tonight He was silly, he was salty He was crazy, he was wise There were two holes in the carpet Where he burned it with his eyes With his eyes With his eyes With his holy madman's eyes He got restless in the autumn And he drifted to the south There were marks upon my With his mouth, with his mouth, with his holy poet's mouth. I've learned to keep my mouth shut Cause I've been fooled before 
taken from the new album from Sarah Mills, Stormy Emotions. And on the album, there's some fine musicians such as bassist Mick Hutton and also Paul Robinson. And we just listened to Fool's Gold. Another new album that's going to be released in March is from guitarists Tom Remen and Jim Mullen. The album's going to be called Duality. It was recorded last year in August of 2020 and very much came about just because of lockdown. And it's a fascinating, fascinating album because it brings together two unique guitarists, one a living legend and the other one a rising star. So here's a track from that new set called East of the Sun. Thank you. 
had the chance to listen to the album Duality in full, I can tell it's a beautiful blend of classic repertoire, numbers you're going to know ever so well and be familiar with, interleave with expertly crafted original compositions. And the album from Tom Remen and Jim Mullen, of course a national <laughs> national treasure who we had on the show last year, is earmarked for release on March the 5th. So it's time for Buddy's Bit on the show this week and we're going back to the year of 1966, the album The Swinging New Big Band with this more soul.
Buddies bit this week was more soul. Time now to meet our guest on the show this week. As I mentioned, we've got saxophonist Trish Clues with us, and we're going to start the interview off with a track from one of her inspirations, Wayne Shorter. This is a live recording of Mascalero. You're listening to me, David Lewis, on Straight Ahead. If you want to know what's happening at The Six, check out the website at 606club.co.uk.
So our guest on Straight Ahead this week is composer and saxophonist Trish Clues. Trish, hello and welcome. Hi, nice to nice to be here. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. So first and foremost, how are you keeping at the moment? Have you kept healthy through the year? Uh, I have actually. Yeah, um, I have escaped 
uh, from coronavirus and uh, I've been generally fine other than that as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been well. Thank you. Just not <laughs> enough work, clearly, which we'll come to later, but uh, I'm sure it's given you time to fulfil some other projects that you've wanted to over the course of time. So do you mind if we take you back to life as a little Trish? What, Absolutely. Music, yeah. was it something that you had a drawing to very early on? I know you started on the piano, didn't you, as so many musicians do? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I, neither of my parents were musicians, but they're um, both very keen musicians, um, like with, um, I don't know, also singing. Uh, my dad played trumpet um, mm-hmm. and always had kind of like brass, amateur brass kind of ensemble. Well, amateur is a horrible word, actually, isn't it? But he always had his own thing kind of going on with uh, local other brass players. So, um, yeah, so I, I had piano lessons from when I was four, but it was always in a really like chilled out kind of way and before that I used to sing with my granddad playing piano and all that kind of stuff so it just music was just a part it was of, there so it wasn't as if there was yeah. pushy parents as, as such it was just music was around you natively so you kind of absolutely yeah and of different sounds by the by what you're telling me as well different forms of music yeah definitely so uh yeah as I mentioned my dad with the brass and he was you know massively into like all the big orchestral sounds which aren't really you know that's not I always kind of was pulled towards the Debussy and Ravel and all that kind of thing but because of the brass uh, he was always really into um, Shostakovich and Mahler like really heavy stuff so so, <laughs> so it's, how long yeah. did you how long did you stick with the piano for then and obviously that's a great grounding for any musician isn't it in so far as certainly later in life compositionally it gives you all those skills but even Absolutely. then you, you were in, I mean we'll talk about your talents as an improviser which is a, a big part of your of your talent but even as a youngster on the piano I understand that you were sort of making up tunes even then so there must be something in your brain that just I want to experiment I want to find sounds chords yeah definitely yeah I wasn't a very well behaved kind of people <laughs> so um, yeah I was always making up my own stuff and then later um I kind of I, there was a quite a big patch in my childhood when I just sort of did my own thing with piano whilst I was having kind of clarinet lessons so I kind of did my own thing and I, I just loved playing like show tunes and writing my own probably quite pathetic sounding little love songs and all that kind of stuff so I was always into sort of just you know getting in there and doing my own thing with whatever it was. Um, so presumably yeah. the lessons you were having were <laughs> classically lent I take it at that time? Yeah I guess yes I guess in the broader sense yeah um, but as I say I would it, it, it was never like because it wasn't those sort of hardcore kind of, you know, the stereotype mm. of the hardcore classical lessons that you think about. There was always other influences in there. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, I mean, sometimes I was doing classical material, but it wasn't like, you know, really serious. So I and, got a very broad kind of... And you just let the, the cat out the bag there. I think your first uh, happening into the world of reeds was clarinet, was it? You went to the dark yeah, side right. first. <laughs> yeah, so we had, there was a, there was a sort of not a very pleasant, a clarinet knocking around in the family and, and basically it was just because my dad has had such has such or still you know has such a great time with music and all his experiences were with playing with other people because being a trumpet player mm-hmm. and he was like well if you keep playing piano like it's quite solitary um so he was really smart there so he kind of got me playing clarinet and then it meant that I joined lots of little youth bands and things like that. I was just going to ask years, because so. there's, a, there's a very slight twang to your accent. You're obviously not a London-born yeah. girl. Sh- Shrewsbury. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Shrewsbury, wasn't it? Yeah, Shrewsbury. Yeah. So, so you did growing <laughs> up in Shrewsbury and, and there were county bands around there, I guess you could progress with, were there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, like Shropshire as a whole, actually, um, 
I was just chatting to my brother, in fact, he's, he lives in Shropshire now. Um, he's gone back to Shropshire now. Mm-hmm. And he was just, we were just chatting yesterday saying how there's just such a, um, there's so much enthusiasm for music, music making in that county, you know, mm-hmm. like it's so, you don't think, you know, it's not, it's definitely not like where you think of that, you know, where lots of people come from who go on to do high flying musical careers in necessarily but it's like a really great place to grow up because there's just so many bands and like loads of enthusiasm for music around there and I think it actually benefits from being quite a nice distance away from London actually mm-hmm. um so uh so yeah I had to re- you know it was just really fun like music was just fun for me like growing up um these county bands really are the grassroots of, of music across the country, aren't they? I mean, Big time, for yeah. many, many years, you know, I took my daughter to them. And it is, as you say, it's the ground bed where the, the skills and the talents are nurtured and you can express yourself and you're beginning to mix with other young musicians as well at that point. So were you recognised at school as being a musician? I mean, did you take the music A-levels routes before leaving school? Yeah, I, I did actually. Yeah, so I um I didn't think I was going to study music, but I just, it, it sort of just took over. That's sort of basically what happened. And it was actually when I was doing my A-level that I was like, hang on a minute, I'm spending all my time thinking about music. And it, and it wasn't even, I mean, it was basically a mixture of piano, saxophone and voice as well. So mm. there wasn't like one that had um a particular focus. Like I was just playing and again still just writing my own stuff and it was just really kind of in the middle of of my a level when obviously you're working like quite hard on things and i was just like this is what i want to do you know had a bit of a epiphany so (laughs) two questions come come to my mind there then so at 18 which is obviously a pivotal point in anyone's growing up if university is in mind had you decided a that a life as a professional musician is something you wanted to pursue and also that going to university to study music further was what you wanted to do um, it, it was a bit like uh, just a feeling. I can't really describe it any other way. It was just, it, I just kind of had to do it. It mm. just sort of got to that point. And I think I, I really feel like I was lucky not having someone say, oh, you can do this with music or you should do this or whatever, because I just came to it on my own. You know, no one was, you know, telling me what to do. I was just like, I, yeah I, just, I can't describe it in any other way really and I didn't even think I had no specific idea of how I was going to do it or what I was going to do you know after I'd studied or anything mm. like that I just wanted to do music and then fortunately for me like because of the different things that I was sort of doing at the time um, I had different teachers so my A-level teacher like my piano and saxophone teachers kind of all kind of giving me advice about how I could do this and different ways that I could approach studying music so mm-hmm. I wasn't on my own you know in deciding ha- how I went about it if that makes sense no it does totally um, I mean it, it's I've learned that it's often the way that music finds you rather than the other way around and it was obviously as you yeah. said you recognize the fact that you were spending a lot of time practicing playing thinking about it so it's clearly that it was something that was in igniting your your soul so I'm imagining as a 17 18 year old you must have come down to London to do the auditions or was it only yeah. was it only at Ram? Did you only audition at Ram? Or no, I auditioned at uh, Ram, uh, Guildhall, and Trinity, so the, um, the and that was the first. Yeah. yeah, Trinity Laban. Sorry, yeah, mm. um, and so that was the first time I'd been to any of those places. So they were, you know, like it was quite sort of like, you know, mm. like um, when I when I came down and um, I hadn't been to any open days or anything like that. So it was. Um, 
yeah, very kind of... They're daunting. Yeah, they, yeah, they are daunting. yeah it was, it was actually. Although having said that, like when, you know, I'm, uh, I'm quite happy to say like when I, I you know, I, I auditioned at Academy and, um, and I got in there, which was amazing because when I, when I did my audition, I just had this, I think it was the first audition I did actually. And I just had this amazing feeling and it's, you know, um, I didn't go to any like pre-conservatoire schools or anything like that. And I just, Academy, the Royal Academy of Music always seemed like this thing that was mm. so far out far of away. my reach, yeah. you know, like, far away, exactly. And so honestly, I just was kind of blown away by the fit and everyone seemed so lovely and it just felt really warm and it felt like, you know, and so I just remember having a cup of tea on my own after I'd had the audition and waiting for my train and stuff and just being like, uh, Oh, I really hope I get in because I really <laughs> want to go here. <laughs> um, and then very luckily for me, I did. But yeah, so it was it was a very sort of, um, you know, like, I don't know, conservatoires sometimes get a bad rap for various things, don't they? You know, just in terms of how people see them being quite stuffy and mm-hmm, everything. But mm-hmm. my experience was not like that at all. Um, so that so, meant you left yeah. Shrewsbury and were living now in London for the three yep. years of your degree. So I'm assuming there was a lot of open jam sessions you were going to, and obviously being in the capital, there is kind of jams and sessions everywhere for young musicians, aren't there? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, it was just brilliant being around loads of people that love music as much as I did. So I mm. went to all sorts of things, you know, there was stuff going on within the college and then, yeah, going, went to loads of gigs and also just going to hear people who were like only a little bit older than me as well there was like a great bunch of people who had just set up the loop collective i don't know if you're familiar with yes i've heard of and um so all those guys had just they just established that and so there's loads of uh people just doing their own thing and you know making their own sounds and so uh so yeah it was great just like loads of listening and kind of you know, doing your own little gigs and... And it's just... uh, obviously luck can play a part of it and you've got to study with two great teachers in Safazi and Bellamy and Pete Churchill. So finding yeah. those people at the right point in your life must have been pivotal, I would have thought, to unlocking what you were to become. So, yeah, definitely. So Ian as well, I met uh, before I went to college. So I had a, like a couple of lessons where I came down to London to to um, visit him where mm-hmm. he used to live. And... Um, uh, that was after sort of finding his music sort of via loose tubes, but then his own, I found his own stuff as well. Mm. And um, uh, my old saxophone teacher sort of helped me look up his number in the MU directory. <laughs> 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 so I did this sort of cold call, but he was so lovely. So yeah, I had a couple less of him. And then um, when, you know, later in my degree, when I could choose kind of who I wanted for my teachers for one-to-one, um, I sort of started having lessons with him again. So mm. I had him for a couple of years. And yeah, he's just been amazing, um, mm. like amazing mentor. And, you know, we're still very close and good friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Pete, um, I started having, yeah, kind of group classes with him, I guess, like second year or something. And yeah, he was just amazing, amazing energy and enthusiasm and just a really great grounding for for how to approach. I mean, I was always already really into writing anyway, but yeah, he, he was just a brilliant person to have every week, you know, kind and of sparing us all on. <laughs> then you decided that three years wasn't enough and trotted off to Birmingham. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a four-year four undergrad um, and I never thought I'd study again. Like I, uh, I didn't do a master's and um, yeah, I, I didn't feel the need. I, I had like one-to-one lessons with people here and there um, like after I'd completed. And then... Um, 
yeah, it was sort of a bit random how I ended up doing a PhD, really. Um, it was mainly just because I wanted to do um, like the compositional work that I did through it. Um, and uh, it just sort of was suggested to me by the head of composition at Birmingham, who I knew for work in other it's a small world I know (laughs) yeah it's a small world yeah and um so it was quite random how I ended up doing that and as I say like I I never thought I would study again and it's not it wasn't really for the academics and or anything like that it was just to to, you know a great opportunity to to do what I wanted to do Yeah, kind of a once in a lifetime um, opportunity isn't it at that point in your life basically yeah it was and it was like that because you know there were things that I sort of had to it was a big decision and it's, you know, anyone who's done a PhD will tell you it's like quite stressful and very full on. Um, mm. So I'm very glad I finished. <laughs> and was the scene, I mean, I know Birmingham, I've, I've heard so many great uh, reviews of of the Conservatoire there, but was the scene yeah. in Birmingham compared to London any different, did you find? Because I'm guessing you had time to go out and gig there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm still living in London, so I just sort of went up for when, you know, for when I need to do things and, uh, when I had like bits of festival activity and things. And I know, um, uh, it's funny cause the people that I know best from Birmingham, um, uh, are no longer there. So, so I knew Hans Collar really well, but he now is, you know, spending most of his time obviously in London because he's head of jazz at Trinity. And Percy Persglove is the other person that I knew really well. He was doing his PhD there and he's just got a job in um, playing in uh, the in Hamburg, the big band that's in Hamburg. So he's just moved to Germany. Um, so, yeah, so I would just go up and uh, hang out with those guys and do the odd gig here and there. But I, I mean, I wouldn't say like I was fully on their scene as such, but like just, but they're such a wonderful bunch. They're so warm up there, you know, and I still go up and do, I've just heard they've just reorganized one of the jazz lines things um, that they do in the summer for, for younger people. And uh, they've just reorganized that or trying to reorganize it for the summer. So um, I always really enjoy working with those guys. I think the energy they've got up there you know kind of graduates of Birmingham and it's, it's just brilliant so I'm a massive fan of what they've got going on and there. I think that the going sax more than uh any other instrument can often be a very testosterone fueled instrument can't you with you know famous with the trades and so on it's 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 almost a center point of, of, a, of a band sometimes that the sax players and is that was that ever intimidating to you and, and again, then becoming a, a, a woman it, professionally in the music world, has that ever been a hurdle to you? Do you feel doors were less quickly open for you? Uh, no, I can't say that at all. I mean, it's who knows? I mean, like you, you never know what someone's saying behind your back or mm. when you're not, you know, all that stuff. And I, to be honest, I don't really care anyway. Um, I mean, you know, I've just, I've never, when I was younger, it never occurred to me you know I gigged before I came to conservatoire and um you know just did local gigs in Wolverhampton and wherever you know mm. Iron Bridge and mm. all kinds of things and I was always playing with older guys you know there's you know that's just the way it was um and probably still is most of the time now I would mm. say um but it wasn't like I just loved it you know the only thing I would say is just I was usually the young I was yeah pretty much the youngest person in the band and it seemed ridiculous that the youngest person in the band was leading the band (laughs) (laughs) but you know but it was never intimidating I I loved it Um, so yeah that's all I can say Thank you.
Thank you.
And concluding the first part of our interview with Trish was a track that she recorded last September with Ross Stanley, and that was called Time and More from Trish in a very short while's time. There's another new release coming up by Terence Colley. He's released a lovely album, and I thought we'd uh, dig into that and play you end of summer. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club.
a lovely track from the new Terence Colley project, TC3. And without wishing time away, uh, the track was called End of Summer. And so back to our guest we go now. Of course, we've got Trish Clues with us on Straight Ahead this week. And uh, this is another one of her tracks recorded live back in 2019. And if you're looking to find it, it's on her album called My Iris Live. And uh, we're going to listen to Free to Fall and get into the second part of our interview with Trish. Thank you. 
Chris Montague, James Margin, Russ Stanley, and Trish Please, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. And awards have come your way as well, one of which you were a former BBC New Generation artist as well, weren't you? Yeah, that was an amazing opportunity. So that was um, kind of a while ago now. Yeah, 2012 to 14. And um, yeah, that was an incredible opportunity. And I got so many amazing experiences out of that so yeah that very cherished time <laughs> and then of course you've gone on to form your own band as well uh, my iris i'm speaking yeah. of now an interesting title uh, the only uh, iris I, obviously i remember from a wayne shorter composition yeah. anything yeah, to do yeah, with yeah. or not i'm just like plucking ideas out mike because yeah, titles no, and bands yes. fascinate me yeah that's it so so it was because so i'd actually sort of uh, written something before which I'd called an iris um sort of had a an iris title connected to it and uh it was just when I was basically the band as I was sort of putting you know naming it because I wanted to give it a name I was just sort of toying with and and the thing is like with that because it's um piano and Hammond Ross Stanley's on uh, Hammond, isn't Ross he? Stanley doubling. I was going to say, is, then, it, is he and not in any band? Ross seems to be everywhere. <laughs> he's, I know. he's a busy man, isn't he? <laughs> very in demand. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a very gifted uh, musician, so mm. uh, it's not really surprising. But um, yeah, and uh, and then having Chris Montague as well on guitar, it meant that there's, there's so many colours. And then obviously, like with James Madrin on drums as well, mm. um, he's a very. Um, has a lot of timbre in his playing. And so it was kind of, I always think of colour like when I'm writing, you know, anyway, and with those guys, there's just so many options um, for what I can do. And so colour was like a big part of it, you know, iris, eye, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then these, this connection with Wayne, you know, just being a massive fan of Wayne and his beautiful Irish tune. And then like my grandmother was called Iris as well. So, so as I know, this, I, Iris just kept coming up and I was like, well, my Iris, you know, the way I... Um, kind of envisaging things so that's sort of where it comes from and you, you recorded four <laughs> albums is that correct uh so with my iris i have two studio albums and one live one which i just brought out as a result of the pandemic um earlier this year um just on Bandcamp. um and then i have uh three other studio albums which were um yeah before my iris but similar personnel some of them the and you, you've only ever been a musician i take it. it's not as if you had to take i mean possibly it's been bar work and so on down the years but uh career wise it's not as if you ever deviated away from it and thought no this isn't for me that's been your only calling yeah i'm been pretty obsessed ever since i kind of decided uh to go for it and yeah so i've um yeah i just stayed in london after i finished studying and um yeah i've just been chipping away um ever since and does the studio (laughs) life interest you or are you very much for the live performance um i think the hmm, for me like this the thing about the studio uh i suppose it depends on the context isn't it like when it's your band i mean for me like playing with my band improvising with my band live to an audience it's like 
that's the thing that I want to do more than anything else. And then all the other things I would say are just really enjoyable. Um, and they sort of feed off that same energy. So mm. the best, like the way that I like to record with my band is just sort of getting as, as close to an energy as what you get live, you know, but mm. in the studio, I mean, it's, it's kind of different. It's a different, um, I'd say art form, actually, a different kind of craft, I guess, you know, recording in the studio. like, um, And it is really exciting when you get the energy really high. Um, it's kind of been interesting, like, you know, doing this gig for Steve at the Six, like uh, whenever that was a few weeks ago, because mm. you can't, you haven't got an audience there. Well, I was just going to say, ironically, Studio so, Live now is kind of like what you do. Yeah, it's playing without exactly, an audience, yeah. isn't it? And That's exactly when it. When you're live streaming, um, I think I mentioned this to somebody else recently, the, the fact of having a camera in your face, now that presumably isn't a normal thing. For you. Yes, you're used to having people right in front of you playing a gig, but having a camera, I know, say, at the six, they're not literally fixed in front of you, they're around the room. Is that odd? Does that, when you're getting used to the fact you're going to be filmed, does that, because you're not an actress, you're a musician. Yeah. So I don't know how, um, how odd that you, you'd find that. It was fine, actually. I mean... Uh, the way the lighting worked, it was as if we were kind of on, you couldn't see the cameras mm. like the way that Steve has them rigged at the six anyway. Mm. And um, like I've done quite a bit of radio stuff. So the talking thing is fine. Um, so to be honest, it didn't bother I know, me at actually, all. I'm fearing for my job, like, actually. You're a bit too good at this talking blog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, uh, I was. I mean, I was just had such a great time on that gig, just playing with my band. You know, it is like being in the studio. I mean, mm. that's yeah. That's As like you were saying, I just suddenly thought that it kind of must have a similar kind of vibe to yeah. it. And I've watched yeah, many definitely. of the live streams, and it, you know, when the guys get to the end of your sets and there's no applause, it's still oh, do we still want that life back, don't we? And yeah, that that bit is definitely a bit weird. But I guess, you know, all the sort of almost awkward giggling that you do, or whatever it is you do after you've... You would do the same thing in the studio, you know, if you listen back to takes, you'll hear people go, oh, what do you think of that? Or, you know, <laughs> whatever. So I guess it's just... Um, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, like every time I get to play, you know, in a sort of almost normal kind of environment, you know, you're just so happy, happy to, to just be doing it that doing it what you want to do overrides all the awkwardness or whatever it is about anything else <laughs> now whenever i mention your name to anybody pretty much improviser is what comes up <laughs> and uh, i think one of the quotes has been banded around an improviser to be reckoned with so <laughs> we're going back to you as the young girl at the piano and always being fascinated with sounds and colors as you ex explained with jazz i think that's the thing that fascinates me most is the improvisational skills that you have on stage and the way you interact with one another and bounce off one another was improvising something that you found you had a natural latent talent for because it's not easy uh, you know to the uninitiated improvising looks like you're just playing but it's a skill it's a real skill to be able to know what you're going to call on that night you know what chord progressions and so on is that something as a young girl on the reeds you found yeah i'm liking this it gives me some freedom yeah, I mean, yes, basically. I mean, I just, um, I just loved it straight away. Just and um, and when I heard jazz as well, you know, but even before I'd kind of decided that I was going to study it really seriously, um, I just would have it on, you know, and almost like singing or, you know, like I, I just loved the the energy that comes from hearing people interact with each other. I think that's the thing. It's like. It's not just the improvising for your, you know, you as an individual. It's like the way that people bounce off each other. Mm. Like it's so unique. Like the the freedom that 
the you know in the broadest sense jazz, the word jazz you know like that is associated with that music and the, the the room it allows for musicians to talk to each other you know in that way it's you know it's so special do you um, find that you uh, have a certain relationship a better relationship with some musicians and others particularly on the say a heavy improv gig are there some guys that you know when they're on the band obviously if it's your own band but you know you know you're going to get on that stage and there is going to be an energy they understand you're talking almost the same language would that be how it is yeah definitely i mean if you know musicians really well i mean that's the thing with um that's really exciting about having a band that lives you know over a number of years is that you know you're building on memories of gigs memories of you know and and also knowing what each other is into as well mm-hmm. like it's not just what you do but you know what influences other musicians have and how you speak about how you think about music um and uh yeah so it's it's um but there there is kind of like instinct as well you know there are times when I'll play with someone for the first time and you'll be like oh wow you know like j- just like when you meet someone you know socially and you start talking to them and you just get on like yeah. really really well it's the same thing basically. I wish I understood yeah. your language better but it is like you basically do have a conversation on stage don't you? that's kind of how it goes and certainly with the improv side of it it's very much is reading one another and understanding timing and fluency and so on it's that all comes to play right yeah completely it's it's complete i mean the way that i you know think about it is it's a conversation and and more and the and the more you know people that and you kind of understand how they like playing and you know it's it's like a sort of so where the writing comes in is like you um it's like sometimes you're leaving space because you want to allow everyone to just do whatever happens Mm -hmm. but then it's also like kind of going oh I know this person likes playing in a certain way and if I push them in a certain way with my writing I know it's going to get this out of them so so that comes into it as well and then also just sort of hearing how people respond to certain things but but it's the same as like calling tunes you know Mm -hmm. it's like if you if you're playing with people and they know you know that they like playing certain tunes it's a nice thing to go like oh you know let's play this tune because I know you know so it's the same sort of Thing mm-hmm. you know, and some other things I'd just like to cover with you. There's another project that you've been heavily involved with, which is the Emulsion Festival. Yeah, so that's intriguing. That's right. Talk talk to us a little bit about that because I know that's been something close to your heart. Yeah, I mean that uh, it's just sort of evolved really. Like I haven't really got um, any a set plan for it. I just started it. Um, uh, when was it? Like 2012, I think that was the first one. And it was really just this idea that um, I couldn't see why you had to have a jazz festival or a classical festival or a contemporary classical festival where everything has to sound complete. You know, like some people only like to hear like crazy extreme sounds, you know. It's, so, And I couldn't see why that had to be. Like, why can't you just have music and people just sort of... Dust the emotion, I get it music. now. So the emulsion's covering all. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't claim to um, to know how to present all kinds of music, but I guess it, it came from that place, you know, it just came from this idea that, and it, I mean, basically it's really hard and it's almost too hard to do when you do an artist-led thing. Um, you know, anyone who manages to promote or uh, anything <laughs> over a number of years, I have so much respect for them because it's, I mean, Steve. I don't you know, Steve like, shoes, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable i mean it's uh, i mean in the good old days seven days a week isn't it and you're twice on a sunday (laughs) 
and I and it's difficult to put into words really like how I you know when he decided to do the festival that week of gigs online without an audience so mm. you know he's not getting any income from people I mean that just completely blew me away I was like wow like I mean next level I mean I had loads of respect for him anyway for what he does but that was just yeah astounding um so uh but yeah so it's just really hard running those things so I did, mm. for for emulsion really like I don't have a set agenda for it um I don't you know like it's become it's been a great like opportunity to bring people together and we've managed to commission some people which is great and sometimes we've got things on the radio here and there but I mean if if I do something with it again great if I don't I've done loads of interesting things with it and I've got loads out of it um particularly you know I use my PhD to do quite a lot of experimenting and Percy Percy Club who I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is kind of involved in that he was kind of a key person involved too so um yeah, it's been great. I, I mean, as I say, I might do some more. I might not. I don't know. But it's it's been a great experiment. <laughs> and uh, what has this long summer found you doing? Obviously, pretty gig free, I'm guessing, since yeah. the spring. So what have you kept yourself busy with? Um, co- uh, composing, mostly. Um, I mean, I got to, like, I, I finished up this PhD, elusive PhD, I keep mentioning. So I, I, it was actually quite good because when it when the pandemic happened, I was like, oh, well, at least I can finish it. <laughs> so the first, like, six Gave weeks. Gave you the time. I just, yeah, I just yeah. finished that off, which was actually quite annoying in a way because I just sort of wanted to be in the moment with everybody else. But I was just kind of completely head down doing mm. that. And then... Um, and then, yeah, I've just been writing. Like I wrote a solo cello thing for a friend of mine that I've wanted to do for years. So that was really nice. And um, I've been asked to write a couple of things for people commissioned. So that's been really nice when that's happened. And then just shedding, like practicing. Um, mm-hmm. We cut this booth that I'm in. Um, we just sort of put that together. We've been thinking about it for years. So that you could practice. Um, so, yeah, so we just decided to go for it, even though financially, you know, it's been a really difficult, we were just like, well, at least if we have this space, because we, we live in a flat, so it's quite difficult to make noise. Yes, saxes um, are not a house-friendly instrument, I know, well no, to my cost. So. They definitely <laughs> aren't, yeah. And, we, you know, this we're a block of eight flats and there's yeah. little kids in one of the flats and stuff. So we just sort of thought, right, let's just go for it. And, you know, because at least then we can be happy mm. knowing that we can make music and do something constructive for the time um so yeah so um yeah just been practicing writing um and for for a while I was just like I I'd kind of put together this um live album of my iris just from recordings from last year that I put out on Bandcamp, and then I just kept making myself put out something each month um whether it was an archive thing or whatever mm-hmm. um and yeah and then sort of I would say maybe about a month or so ago I felt like I was starting to imagine what I might do next year so it was kind of it took quite a while I was quite happy to be honest just to because I'd spent you know like anyone who runs a band will tell you you know there's just so much time you have to put into thinking about gigs and organizing. it's not just turning up and playing is it no, it's really, I mean, it'd be great if it was, but it's mm, not. So mm. um, it was just great having a break from that, actually. Um, I, so I, I guess quite enjoyed even that. for the first time in many years, having the time to practice, I guess. Yeah. Just, just literally dedicate. Shed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, to shed really properly. Like, uh, that was, yeah, that's been great. Um, you actually look quite misty-eyed thinking about it. Obviously, you do enjoy the practice side of it. Yeah. It's where it all, it's where it all starts, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah. 
yeah, just sort of having the space to sort of think and have ideas that just come to you just mm-hmm. through checking out things and you know that's not a bad thing um, indeed so, it's not and you mentioned about yeah. thinking ahead to next year what vaguely i mean obviously the gig side of it is beyond your control but outside of that what you vaguely think at this stage you're might be taking your fancy next year uh so i'm gonna do i'm gonna do some recording so um i'm just sort of working out um i'm not too bothered about when exactly but the early part of next year ross and i have been sort of chipping away at some duo stuff for a while so we're gonna try and get something together and Mm -hmm. then um and then i'm writing for the band you know um as well so i don't know when we'll do that but i'm definitely gonna do i did a music video for the first time last year because i finally found a film director that i you know wanted to work with Mm -hmm. so uh, Rose Hendry did this amazing uh, thing for me, and so we're going to do something else next year. So I, I you know, I've got good. to work. I out. think I saw it online. Yeah, like it. Um, I was, yeah, it was just so brilliant. She was, again, she was like one of those people I just met, and we just sort of clicked kind of straight away um, artistically. So um, yeah, so definitely, you know, lots of things like that going on next year. I just need to sort of work out kind of money money (laughs) all that kind of stuff but you know we'll get there there. they've got to allow you to perform again sometime haven't they (laughs) they can't keep keeping the stage it's it's looking promising isn't it so i've got like a few gigs from last year that will get real either have been reorganized and either might get pushed back anyway it'll be fine we'll get there that's the attitude and i just want to let people i always like to try and let people know where they can find you on social because it's a big part of the industry these days it's very easy to find i I know it's pronounced clues but it's actually spelled c-l-o-w-e-s so it's actress clues I'll say it the quick way on Twitter. <laughs> Trishclues.com is your website on Instagram. It's Trishclues underscore music. And uh, over at Bandcamp, it's Trishclues.bandcamp.com. And we always say, go to your website, go to Bandcamp, buy the music there, because you get the money. And then you can make more recordings for us to enjoy. Exactly. Terribly yeah. important. <laughs> so I hope once the uh, shackles are off the six, you and I can finally meet down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, be great. We'd love to, yeah. yeah. So, Trish, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful getting you on the show. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you.
And finishing our time with Trish there was a track from the album Octopus by Chris Davis and Craig Taborn. Trish is a huge fan of the work of Chris Davis and uh, the track that we just listened to there was written by some way. Trish, many thanks indeed for being on the show and hopefully <laughs> once uh, the lockdown is released I'll be able to get to see you at uh, Down at the Six. So Trish, many thanks indeed once again for being on the show. More new music now from the EP Two Cities from musicians Ben Summers, Josephine Davis, Phil Robson and Christine Tobin. This track actually written by Christine is Freefall. Straight Ahead with David Lewis.
you tumble and buckle Bend at the knee And the mud slides The mud slides The earth will take What must surely Just once again remind you how you can watch live streams at the club this weekend, which are Brandon Allen on Saturday and Lex Cameron on Sunday. Go over to 606club.co.uk and uh, once you've created yourself an account, just once you have to do that, then you can simply log on each week and watch these fine artists from the comfort of your own living room, as I did last weekend with Joe Harrop on the Valentine's special gig. Time for just two more tracks on the show this week. And uh, we delved into this album for the first time last week, Lost Ships from Alina Dooney and Rob Luft. It's a gorgeous album. It really is. Please do go and take a listen to it. It is mesmerising. So another track from the album is this, I'm a Fool to Want You. I'm a fool to want you. I'm a So 
Another beautiful number from the album Lost Ships from vocalist Alina Dooney and guitarist Rob Luft. And we just listened to I'm a Fool to Want You. And from that lovely track to another standard number that you're going to know. Speaking of When I Fall in Love, a track written by Victor Young and Edward Heyman for the 52 film One Minute to Zero. Well, I'm glad to say there's a brand new version of it out. Uh, Down for the Count have uh, released and recorded an album at the Cold Stores, which is going to be available in late April. But this single, When I Fall In Love, is going to be released on February the 26th, and it is lovely. And it seems a very fitting way in which to see out the show this week. Many thanks indeed to Trish, our guest on the show this week, and to yourselves for listening. And don't forget, go over to the website 606club.co.uk for all details of gigs and live streams that are coming up there. And I'll be back with you at the same time next week for another two hours of great music and, of course, interviews as well. Take care and I'll see you then.
Please. 